typically think of Christmas as being a romantic time of year, but apparently it's pretty popular on made-for-TV movies. Uh, but it seems like in just about every Christmas movie, there's some element or some hint of some kind of love story interwoven uh, into it. So you could take the classic White Christmas. How many of you have seen that? You've seen that before? It's really long. Uh, I watched it for the first time last year. I'd never, never seen it before. I know some of you were shocked. That's why I watched it last year. And there's a, there's a love story kind of woven uh, into that. So there's that. And then you've got kind of the family heart warmers, like the family man. You guys seen that one with uh, Nicolas Cage and Taylor Leone? No? Okay, only two of Oh, all right. Um, and, and there's that one. And then there's, uh, there's, the, classic, uh, there's the classic one where uh, you've got the story of the young man who's separated from his family at Christmas. And then he has to fight off. Uh, these dangerous burglars in innovative ways. And then there's this really loving family reunion at the end of the movie. You know which one I'm talking about, right? Die Hard. All right. I mean, okay, all right. But if I had to pick a favorite all-around Christmas love story, I think I would pick Elf. Did you know that Elf is 15 years old? The movie, it came out in 2003, and it's 15 years old. And it's such a, it's such a heartwarming story. It's the story of Buddy the Elf, who learns uh, that he has a father in New York, and so he goes to find them, and he just automatically has this unconditional love for this dad that he has never met, that he just, he doesn't care, he didn't know anything about his father, what his character is, you know, what, uh, you know, what kind of person he is, but he just has all this love that he wants to give, and so you get to see that part of the love story. But it's also the love story of the father who raised him, who was willing to let him go to discover his identity and meet his biological dad, and there's that really cool love story that's interwoven for that. And there are a couple of things uh, else in there as well. Uh, and while, I, like I said before, I'm not typically thinking of Christmas as being a romantic uh, time of year. I don't know, maybe I should. <laughs> I'll ask Renee later. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's a reason why I think we have mistletoe and why we have romance, you know, in Christmas, Christmas movies, that kind of thing. And one of the reasons for that is one of the untold stories of Christmas is that Christmas is a love story. Not that kind of love story, you know, not the girl and guy type of love story. It's the love story, for example, between a father and a son. And I know uh, for, for people in this room and second service, uh, you know, that the father-son relationship can be experienced in all kinds of different ways. You could maybe have a great relationship with your father, and maybe it was terrible, maybe you've never met your father, and so that can be one of those tough things to remember when it comes to around Christmas time. But even, even if you had a great relationship with your dad, I have a great relationship with my dad, we still don't see eye to eye on everything. It's not perfect it would be difficult for us to understand the type of relationship and love that God the Father and God the Son share. And so I want you to consider for me that way back before time and space began, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were together as one. There was no separation between God the Father and God the Son. They shared everything. They created the world together. They interacted with humanity together. There was no kind of distance. They were always on the same page. This kind of relationship and love that they shared together was perfect. The father loved his son like no one has ever loved their child before, and no one will in the future. There was a closeness 
an intimacy, a deep sharing of all they were and all that they had. It was an uninterrupted and perfect oneness. And then came Christmas. Christmas comes along, and the father says goodbye to his son. And I don't know about you, some of you have said goodbye to your kids as they have gone off to college, and you know that they're never, uh, well, well, I say that they're never going to come back and live with you in the way they did before. Uh, maybe you hope that just a little bit, you know, because you want them to, to kind of leave the nest and, and spread their wings and that, that kind of thing. But you've experienced, or maybe you're kind of looking forward to or dreading, you know, that time when you're going to say goodbye and they're not going to be with you in the way that they were before. Well, consider the scale to which God the Father had to say goodbye to the Son, that he let go, left uh, to go and be born on earth as a human, who had never known separation of any kind before, had never been distant from each other, who loved each other beyond all comprehension for all eternity. What a loss it must have been, how painful of an experience that must have been, even though that they knew eventually they would be reunited again. Christmas is a love story. And it's a love story that begins with a heartbreaking goodbye and the separation of love between a father and a son. It's the love story of a difficult goodbye, maybe the most difficult goodbye ever recorded in history. But it's not just a love story between a father and a son. It's also the love story between a mother and her son. But even that, even that, in the midst of joy of the birth of Jesus and Mary just, you know, having, having her beautiful baby there, it was soon after Jesus was born that she realized that this wasn't simply going to be just a joyful experience in her life. When Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple to be dedicated by God, they were greeted by Simeon, and this is what he had to say about Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, verses 34 and 35, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the failing and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. I'm sure Mary responded, oh, great. Thanks. That was, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. And, and Mary got another clue as well when the wise men came to visit. And you maybe remember the three gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus. They brought gold, they brought frankincense and myrrh. And you might think, oh yeah, those are all normal gifts that you give to a child. In fact, I put those in the stockings every year. But they weren't. They weren't normal gifts. Gold would have been reserved for and symbolic for, as a gift to a king. Frankincense, that would have been uh, uh, burned as a scent offering uh, as incense to deities, and so that was representative of a gift given to God. And myrrh, that was the interesting one. That was a strange one, because myrrh was used in the process of embalming someone who was dead. It was used to cover up uh, the, the smell that would happen uh, with a decomposing body. And so Mary was likely reminded of those a couple years ago when Simeon made this prediction that a sword would pierce her own soul, that yes, Jesus was born and he was king and he was God, but he also came to die. And so for Mary, even the joy and love that she shared for her son, she knew at some point there would be a heartbreaking goodbye to come. When you think of Christmas as a love story, it's a love story, yes, between a father and his son. It's a love story between a mother and his son, but it's also a love story that is born 
out of heartbreak. And the reason for that is us. Oh, man. Thanks a lot. You know, (laughs) there's a great Christmas happy thought for that. But the reason that Jesus said goodbye to his father, the reason that Jesus said goodbye to his mother was for us. We're the reason that Jesus left because Jesus, because Christmas isn't just a love story between a father and a son and a mother and a son, but it's also about a love story between the father and us. And one of the disciples that Jesus was closest to, who referred to himself as Jesus' beloved disciple, writes in John three sixteen the famous verse that just about everybody knows, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. See, I reverted back to the King James Version there. Oh, well, it's fine. And here's the thing. It may be hard to relate to the understanding of a, of a close, loving relationship between a father and a child or a father and a son. It may be hard for you to relate to the close relationship or understanding between a mother and her child or a mother and her son. And, and that's okay. But one of the things that we need to seek to understand uh, for Christmas and, and that it's a love story between God and us is understanding the love that Jesus has for humanity because that's what life comes down to. God sent Jesus Christ from heaven because he loves us. And Jesus willingly laid down his life for us because he loves us. And, and there's, a, there's a problem because our, our default as human beings, it, it kind of keeps us from understanding this, is that we have particular categories for people in our life. Like we have people in the category of those that we love, those that we tolerate, uh, and, and those that we, we just don't want to have anything to do with. But God doesn't have categories of love like that in his life. When, God, when we say that God loves everyone, it's not just a, a, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Like It's not just a thing that we say, it's a reality that God lived out through Jesus Christ. In fact, there's only one category of people that God does not love, and it's this. That's it. <laughs> Nobody. Like, no, nobody's there. Now, if we were to switch that slide to the people that Rob doesn't love, that would... What? Are you assuming that there are people that I don't love? Well, maybe all of us have a list like that. I mean, I'm not going to put that on the screen. You share, I'll share, right? Which means, which means that I still don't yet fully understand the kind of love that God has had for me and has had for you. There are people for who, which we say, yeah, that makes sense that God loves that person. Of course they do. And there's other people who are like, well, you know, maybe not. And there's other people that we would debate angrily about and say, no, there's no way God could have loved this person, this human being. And, and please understand, like, I'm not saying that love equals approval, because it, it doesn't. There is a separation there, and I'm not saying that God approves of everything that everyone does, every action that they take, but I am saying that God loves them, and that love is the motivation for God's relationship with humanity. Now, John 3.16, it's a popular verse. Most of us are familiar with that, and so maybe that doesn't seem like a very profound statement, but it is when we pair the recognition of the depth with which God loves us with that truth. So the Bible tells us that because of our behavior, because of the things that we've done, in a sense, we've made ourselves enemies of God. 
Not that he doesn't love us, but that we have chosen to be in opposition of him. And yet he still loves us. In fact, Paul describes it this way in Romans chapter 5, verse 10. He says, For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? And I, as much as, as, much as uh, I, I love so many people in my life, if I'm going to think of people who I would classify in category, not that I have this category in my life, but as enemies, right, this is all hypothetical, it, am I going to... Am I going to give up my child for that category of people? Am I really going to make, make that sacrifice? The answer is no, by the way. I know. I, I'm, that's not hypothetical. Like, no, I wouldn't do that. And, and, and that right there is a clue in and of itself, the kind of depth and richness of God's love for us, for humanity, that even while we're still enemies against God, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, and that through Jesus' resurrection, we're invited into even more of a deeper and closer relationship reconciled to him. And that's what Christmas is all about. It's a love story. It's a love story about a son who left and broke the heart of his father who had to die, and in doing so, broke the heart of his mother, and he did it all because of God's, the depth of God's love for us. Later on, John writes in his first letter, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, exactly how the depth of the Father's love is meant to overtake our lives. He says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. See, one of the things I think that, that kind of hurts us a little bit in understanding God's love is that sometimes when we read John 3.16, we think of God's love and Jesus died for us, and so we take that message and think, well, that means that, you know, it's about us, that, that God has loved us, and so make sure life revolves around you because everything that God does revolves around you, but that's not the message here, and it hurts our understanding of the depth of God's love. God's love for us is not a reflection of our lovableness. And as cute and cuddly as so many of you are, like that's not the motivating factor for why God sent Jesus. God's love for us is a reflection of his glory and why he's worth our worship. And so the way that we experience God's love in our life is not simply receiving the knowledge that Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins, but we experience God's love when love is the motivation for our relationship with God and humanity, each other. Jesus further defines what this love should look like in John chapter 15. And he says this, starting in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did, not chose me, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, 
and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. And Jesus models for us in, in such a way that it makes it very clear that this is not about Jesus simply coming to be born and then skip a few years and then he died on the cross and rose again, but he lived his life in and among us to share the love of God with us and the way he walked and the way that he talked. And so we're called to love each other. This is the fulfillment of God's commands for our life, his will for our lives, to experience the friendship of God, the joy that we seek so often in Christmas. And it starts with us loving each other, making time for each other, going out of our way for each other, sacrificing for each other, showing grace and mercy for each other, speaking the truth for and with and to each other, forgiving each other, fully understanding and appreciating the love that has been shared with us means sharing it with others. And so I, I just want to share with you an example of what that looks like when we come together and we seek that for our church and for our community. Um, and this is, uh, this is a, I'll call it a, a review uh, from a mom from a Fresh Start for Single Mothers and Their Children. Uh, and, and many of you know that this is a, a ministry that Velocity has been a part of uh, for ever since that we've been in existence. Um, and I just, I just want to share with you an email. Um, it's edited for some information uh, but, uh, that I received this, this past week. And here's, here's what this single mom says. I received your information from Sylvia Stewart with Fresh Start. I'm a transitioning and newly single mom of three children. After moving to Richmond and marrying who I thought was God's choice for me, I soon found myself in an emotionally, verbally, spiritually, physically, and financially abusive arrangement. I felt alone out of sorts, and didn't know if I was coming or going. I went online to see if there were any organizations and specifically Christian ministries that could offer support and guidance and found Fresh Start. And from the moment I talked to Sylvia on the phone, I felt I had met a friend. She was compassionate, warm, understanding, and so down to earth. I have enjoyed going through the entire Fresh Start curriculum and my children and I look forward to it every Thursday. I've met some of the most amazing women who have helped me during my darkest hours. In addition, Sylvia has been there at every step to provide just the resources I needed to ensure I didn't have to stumble and figure every little thing out, especially since I didn't feel mentally capable at the time. I just want to tell you that this ministry is truly a lifeline to so many of us. Sylvia embodies the heart of Christ being his hands and feet to people like me who have nowhere to turn during the most challenging time of their lives. Please continue to support and encourage this ministry. I tell every single mom I know about it, and I hope you will promote it well. Thank you for allowing us to utilize your church building and allowing moms like me to find an oasis in the time of our tumultuous storms. Many blessings. And the, reason, the reason I share this um, the reason that we do things like this, create opportunities like this, um, having opportunities to serve in the church, to share love with each other, and to share that love and service in our community, um, is to model it on this scale, like on the congregational scale, on a, on a church scale, uh, so that we're encouraged and inspired to do that on an individual scale. 
Because when you take the time to love someone else within the church and within the community, these are the, these are the types of stories that you're a part of. Like we all get to first and second service, we all get to be a part of that story because of Sylvia and the time that she puts in she, I mean, she doesn't want that recognition. That's not why she d- does that. And so I know I'm kind of pointing towards her in that direction, but I'm not, you know, uh, she's not doing it for that reason. But she's doing it because Christmas is a love story. And it's a love story that continues in our hearts and our actions throughout the year, not just in one season of our life. Christmas is a love story, and we've been given this gift to share with everyone and how we live out our lives and how we understand the depth of God's love for us. Every week at Velocity, we pause to remember the context in which this love story was made real in our lives. It's that Jesus came to, to give us a gift, and he left empty-handed. In fact, he, he left with, with nail holes in his wrists, in his hands, as a result of it. And he did it so that you and I could be reconciled to God through his death. So that we could share in the relationship that Jesus already had with his father. He gave that gift for us so that we could live the rest of our lives in his love. And it's the best type of life there is. And it's the best kind of Christmas gift that you could give to yourself and to others. is to living out a life full of his love. Let's pray together as we prepare to take communion. God, we thank you um, that Christmas is a love story, and God, we ask that that we were reminded each day of the depth of your love for us, and how that's an opportunity uh, when we're reminded of that, of how we can love each other deeply, that we can love our neighbors deeply, that we can love strangers deeply, that we can love even our enemies deeply. God, we ask that we are mindful through your Holy Spirit as Christians of our redemption to you, how we've been reconciled, uh, and how that enables us to live a life of love. God, we uh, thank you and praise you for your son Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.